Hello everyone, this is Maria Medibrin reporting to you from Brussels. Thank you for joining us on the Meta Podcast for the second episode of the Election Special Series. In this series of podcasts, I take you on a journey with me to discover more about the EU institutions, especially the Parliament, and how the work they do affect our lives. In case you didn't know, in May, we're going to elect our new European Parliament, and they are going to stay in place for five years, so we'd better know a lot on the subject. We are going to meet some great people, listen to amazing stories, and hopefully learn a lot together. So put aside all of your prejudices on the EU, and let's go. This is our second stop in this series, and we're talking about agriculture with my great colleague and fellow French citizen, Berenice Dupont. Thank you for being with us, Berenice. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, before I start with my questions, a bit of background about the European Parliament, as it is our primary subject here. So each country in the European Union has some European parliamentarians that they elect during the European elections. And as I said, the European elections are happening in May this year. And these MEPs represent the countries at the EU level. So they represent us mostly through votes. The European Parliament, along with the Commission and the Council, make, are making the laws that are then put into practice at the national level. Today, we're talking about a specific subject, agriculture. And it's a really important subject as it's linked to, uh, really concretely, the food we eat every day and also the environment. This, we maybe realize less, but agriculture has a huge impact on the environment. And our current agricultural system is pointed as a pollutant. And yet it receives the biggest EU budget. So why do we have an agricultural EU policy and how does it work? We're going to see all of this with Berenice now. Berenice, you're working on agricultural issue for the European Environmental Bureau, the largest network of environmental NGOs in Europe. Could you tell us more about your job? I have actually two missions. Mm -hmm. So the first mission is to increase awareness So basically, is to provide information to decision makers on how our current agricultural policy is having an impact, um, often negative, unfortunately, on our environment. Mm -hmm. The second mission is to actually influence decision makers, so trying that we don't repeat the same mistakes that we did in the past, past sorry, and sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> I see. Um, so as a citizen, I'm going to be talking mostly about what, what I know. So I see agriculture through the food that I buy, and I probably get some of the subtleties of the issues because I see what kind of food I can afford, uh, if it's good quality, if it's locally grown, for example, if it's organic or not. But uh, there is a really concrete side of agriculture at the EU level, and it's the way the, the agriculture is actually managed. And it's through a specific EU policy. So my question is, why do we have actually a policy on that at the EU level and how does it work? Well, that's a very interesting question. And we need to look back into the history of the European Union to really understand why we have a common agricultural policy at EU level. So you need to think that after, well, not to think, to remember that after the Second World War, My grandparents, for instance, were on food stamps. Mm. So people were starving. Yeah. Uh, the countries, uh, France, Germany, uh, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, we, were totally destroyed. And decision makers, policy makers, uh, were 
trying to think, okay, how can we address this issue the most effectively? So what, what can we do? And the answer is that they all came up with, so individually, was that they need a liberal economy. So a market-oriented economy where they could exchange freely uh, commodities and promote higher productivity. Once every uh, decision maker make up their mind about what was the solution to address the issue, they had to uh, make up a plan and, 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 and implement it. The first step of that plan was a Marshall Plan. I don't know if you remember, but countries such as France have injected a lot of money into the agricultural sector mm -hmm. in order to increase the productivity. So farmers were requested to invest, make loans into tractors in order to grow more foods and to increase the size of the farm, to do economy of scale. Okay. So we wanted really to increase our yield and start to export uh, products in the EU. Mm. So the six funding countries uh, in 1957 have actually signed the Treaty of Rome. So it was uh, France, Germany, uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, uh, Luxembourg, and Italy. They all sat around the table and they said, okay, we need to have a common market without any border. And it was unthinkable at that time to not address agriculture in that common market. So they give themselves two years to come, to come up with a common agricultural policy. Mm -hmm. And that was not easy at that time. They had a um, huge amount of negotiation, but in 1962 was born the first common agricultural uh, policy in Europe. Hmm, I see. And how does the cap uh, that we have now differs from the one we had in 1962? Because I guess it's pretty different now. We have a completely different uh, society model, right? Well, funny enough, it's not that much different. So, of course, you know, um, we have inherited from our past systems. There is a strong path dependency that what we are observing. It's quite difficult to steer such a big ship toward the, the, the right direction. So, we, see, we still see, you know, a lot of statu quo which is preserved and the cap is not able to address new objectives at the moment. Mm. And what are the drawbacks of the cap? Because uh, the EB, the European Environmental Bureau, is criticizing the cap, but also a lot of different groups, and they all kind of agree that it's not working correctly. So what, what are the problems? Well, the main issue is that we have pushed for really market-oriented system, mm -hmm. leading to an intensification of our agri agricultural system, which have overexploited our resources, mm. our natural resources. Yeah. So we observe um, um, water pollution, hair pollution, soil erosion, um, we water depletion, we, we overuse uh, water. So there is many environmental issues due to our agricultural intensive uh, system. Mm -hmm. And the CAP has not been able to redirect, to restructure the overall system and to move away the entire agricultural sector from that um, intensification waves, I would say. Okay. Um, actually, after some research on the EU website, uh, I found some interesting statistics, but for me, they're also really strange. So I quote, it's in 2016, the European Union imported almost 
93 million tons of food from outside the EU. On the other hand, in 2016 still, the EU exported 91 million tons of food outside of its borders. So I find it really interesting to mention that because it's not that I want to excuse like this practice or you know blame anyone, but more to look at our system and maybe ask some questions about our system. So how come those two numbers are so high and how come we export it as much as we import it? Well, it's exactly, uh, the reason is exactly because we are in a market-oriented economy. Mm. So because we are in a market-oriented economy, every country started to specialize where they had natural advantage. So for instance, uh, for the case of France, mm -hmm. uh, farmers tend to have start to have fewer crops. They become specialized into cereal farming or okay. specialized into dairy farming. So they started to do only one thing, one thing's really good with a high productivity in order to be able to export. On the other hand, some other country had a natural advantage in producing, for instance, protein crops that we use to feed our dairy cows. Mm. So that's an example that we became codependent uh, of uh, each other. So we import protein crops uh, from Latin America because in Latin America they're able to produce proteins twice, I mean soybeans, twice a year. So in one year yeah, yeah. they do two cycles. We are not able to do that in Europe. This is why we import it from there. So that's why we end up in that in that system. Mm. And uh, what about food security? I mean, we obviously live in a kind of peaceful world, so we don't really talk too much about that in Europe. But still, it's an issue, no? For if we only produce, for example, for France, uh, wheat and and dairy, no? Actually, that's an interesting point because you are talking about geopolitics now. Mm. Um, shall we produce everything? Yeah. Being comp completely independent. Yeah. Uh, and not depend on anyone. Actually, what the market oriented system has proved us is by being um, commercially dependent of each other, we can guarantee peace. Um, and that's what the EU have done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's not a bad thing to be mm -hmm. dependent of each other, but by pushing the system. Mm -hmm. To, to its extreme, what we ended up doing is, for instance, uh, producing dairy products where we import soybeans from Latin America and the, let's say, the powder, the milk powder is being shipped to China. So yeah. we need to rethink and to be more like, okay, market-oriented economy, yes, but within the planet boundaries. Yeah, okay, I see. Um... And what, one thing that also strikes me as a citizen, because I watch the news, I watch documentaries, these kind of things, uh, even without knowing the detail of the policy, is the living condition of farmers. Because the cap represents such a huge budget for the EU, and still we see on the news, on documentaries, that farmers are not earning a decent living in many cases. So how come? How does this budget should evolve, if it should be? Should it be higher, like differently managed? And yeah, basically, what's the EV position on that? Well, there is this idea, idea in people's mind that um, there is one farmer, one type of farmer in the EU, and that this type of farmer, this kind of romantic 
he's suffering because he's not able to make a li- able to make a living mm-hmm. uh, out of the, of his work. However, I want to to be really clear on that there is no such a thing that a farmer or mm-hmm. the farmer in EU. We have a very diversified agricultural sector when we have many types of farmers. And in that categories of farmers, some people manage to make a really good living. Yeah. And some people are actually indeed below the average income that we observe in the rest of the economy. So not all farmers are actually poor, as they like that. The key question that we should ask ourselves is, is cap money, so agricultural policy money, citizens' money, because that's what we are talking about, going to farmers who are actually poor, who actually need it? Yeah. And what we see in practice is that that's not the case. Okay. So the income income support system does not actually ask farmer, okay, how much do you earn? Mm. Do you have any side activities? We don't ask this question, and we just give income support based on the old historical system, which give you entertainments. And to make it simple, we give you pay money in function of how many hectares mm. eligible do you have. So it's not in function of how much wealth you have in your household. Yeah. So this is what we are asking as EEB. We are saying that, okay, Regarding the biggest spending that we have in EU, if we have to target farm income support because some family needs income support, mm. let's try to give it to people who need it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And uh, potentially f- uh, for um, organic farming, uh, we see that uh, also in the country, <laughs> we see that uh, those farmers have less uh, hectares of to to crop actually because it needs. It requires more time, less persistence, and stuff like this. So potentially, those farmers receive also less money from the cap, right? Indeed. Um, which farmer receives the most money? Again, is farmers who have the, the biggest number of eligible uh, actors. Mm. So organic farmers are often smaller farms because they require more labor. Uh, so they can't do everything by tractors, uh, or if they do, they will require still a bit more labor. So because of, of the constraints that uh, we observe in organic farming, often they have smaller farms, so de facto, uh, they receive less payment. Mm, I see. Okay. Uh, income support payment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so now... Now that the elections are approaching, uh, I would like to ask you uh, what we can expect from the European Parliament in the next five years to improve the agricultural situation, and what what should we expect from them? Well, indeed, the next Parliament will arrive at a crucial time in the history of the European agricultural policy, because the next Parliament will have to decide what will be the agricultural policy in Europe for the next seven years. Mm. So they will decide on the priorities and where the money will be used. And I want to make I want to make clear to them that actually we can't have incremental change anymore. Okay. We need drastic change. Food is not only about agriculture, it's about health, it's about our environment, it's about our impact on third countries. 
So not only you know future uh, European uh, deputies working on agriculture uh, should be involved in the negotiation and in drafting the new agricultural policy. Mm -hmm. Actually, every what we call MEPs, so the, uh, people who will be elected at the European Parliament, from environmental committee, from development committee, so working on, on others issues, should also be involved mm. in that process. Yeah. And uh, you said that it was every seven years yes. that the cap was revised? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And um, so there have been a lot of changes, but at the moment, no, no drastic ones. Well, at the moment, what we are doing in EU is that we are we have launched the negotiation on what will be the next cap for the uh, okay. for the next seven years. Okay. And now, more generally, I guess it's what do what can we hope the EP could do about agricultural issues? Like, what is your best scenario in mind? of uh, well, potential outcomes? Well, there is no easy path. Yeah. Let's, be, let's be clear about that. But let's remember as well that the challenge, the challenges that we, have that we have faced just after the Second World War were as big, if not bigger, because everything has to be created. Mm. And we managed to, to actually uh, to succeed. The EU uh, become food like we reach food sovereignty and we reach peace. Yeah. So we have been really successful as the European Union to answer those challenges. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, we know that if we don't do anything in the next 10 years regarding the climate, regarding our environment, regarding our biodiversity, yeah. we will lose it. Our The next generation, my daughter, will not be able to have access to the same, let's say, level of natural capital. Mm -hmm. So if we want to guarantee that for the next generation, well, the new, the new parliament need to make a big shift in the priorities. Okay. And that's for the cap as well. But the EU have been able to really um, answer big challenges before, and I think the EU is a solution to answer those global challenges that touch all EU citizens. Yeah. And um, so we've talked about the EU, but obviously agriculture, climate, environment is a completely global and worldwide uh, issue. Uh, is there some kind of uh, agricultural policy worldwide or is it not something that's happening because every country does things completely differently? Or... No, but what is interesting is that um, there is no agricultural policy agreed worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, the e U.S. do whatever they want. They have what they call the farm bill. Um, the EU do whatever uh, they want. However, we have one thing that really is powerful and give leverage to the EU uh, towards other countries. Yeah. We have trade agreement. Like okay. I say, we are in a global economy, so we are all dependent of each other. Mm. And those trade agreements actually define what agricultural commodity can enter in the EU market and can be exported. So our EU standards somehow should be respected as well by other countries if they want to uh, export inside the EU. Mm. And do we have high standards compared to other countries? We do have higher standards, okay. but yet those standards are not yet high enough yeah. to, to answer those, those challenges. So, um, we need really to understand and, and, 
MEPs need to understand that they need incremental change will be enough. I can't repeat myself enough. Yeah. Small changes yeah. will not be enough. We really need to, to change drastically if we want to avoid uh, really strong damage on our environment. Mm, okay. And uh, last question that I just think about is um, how does the EU level, so the policy level, works with the um, individual actions? Because I see with climate, uh, so people are, for example, taking the bikes rather than the cars, mm -hmm. these kind of things. We can do stuff for that. But agriculture, it, it seems more complicated. So is there stuff that we can do as uh, citizens to actually try to promote a more sustainable agriculture? Well, the first thing is to go to vote. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for the election, uh, obviously, but in it, uh, how often do you eat? Three times a day. So three times a day, you make a yeah. decision, yeah. a choice about which agriculture you want. Mm. And you do it by choosing which food you want in your plate. So it's a lot of actually of responsibility on your shoulder, but mm. every consumer can choose which agricultural system they want. So let's try, for instance, to reduce a bit our meat consumption. Not every day, you don't have meat, but let's say one day a week, you change, you decide to go meat-free. Yeah. And you will already have a huge impact on the climate. So every everyone, every day, can have can make a change. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Renis, for being with us and You're answering welcome. our questions. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to say? No, I'm, I was very happy to be uh, okay. here today. Thanks a lot, Amelia. Right, thank you very much. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, I would like to remind you that uh, there will be a description below the podcast with a lot more information and links if you want to learn more about uh, the topic of agriculture. Um, there will be a third episode on the election series coming up soon. It will be on climate, so stay tuned for that. And don't hesitate to follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook. There will be all, all the links below. Uh, thank you very much to all of you. And thank you to the live program that is supporting uh, this podcast. This podcast only reflects uh, the producer's view. But thank you very much to the live program. Thank you. Bye.